Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the session uh, live here on Facebook. Uh, we're going to get everybody's video starting here. Welcome. Today's show is going to be a great one. I get to catch up with my friends from New Zealand, and I'm super excited to have them here. Uh, please welcome Jason and Susan from Hop Revolution and Stephen Plowman from Hallertau Brewery. Uh, welcome to my Zoom show, guys. Hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. Now, hey, great to be here. I have to admit, I've been jealous and and missing New Zealand. I've been jealous of you guys for a while because you have, you know, the world's greatest leader leading your country. Um, that, and so at, the world is jealous of Jacinda. I want to say that. Um, and you guys had like eradicated uh, uh, COVID. They're the first people to do it. But then na now I hear it, it's back or something. You guys on lockdown again? Yeah, it's, it's totally back, you know. We're sitting here feeling quite smug about ourselves, you know. <laughs> yeah. The in, yeah. The perfect example. And then we're straight back in the shit. Uh, and it's, quite, it's a little bit concerning too because the week before the lockdown, the government was putting out things like stock up on face masks, you uh -oh, know. Yeah. We're like, what, what, why? We don't, it's sorted. What don't so we knew, know, yeah. What don't we know? So they knew that there was some issues at the border and they're still not sure exactly how it got in. But uh, yeah, we're back into into lockdown. Closed restaurants, bars, all closed. Really? Oh, I didn't know it had gone full on like that. Wow. Yeah, they, they react quite hard. It's like we've got some cases we don't without everyone shut down. Well, Auckland's level three, which is all bars and restaurants closed. Okay. But the rest of the country's in level two, so you can still open bars with social distancing. So what about yours? And at Hallertau, are you closed? We're totally closed. Yeah. Wow. Do you do no to business. go to go beer for people or anything? Yeah, we do. Um, and on the weekends, we do takeaway food as well. But to be honest, level three, all the bottle shops are still open. So people can go out and go to the bottle shop. Yeah. Um, so level four was better when people all the bottle shops were closed. Our online deliveries went bananas. I see. So much better. Wow. And so this time it's been you know, shitty takeaways and a few shitty online deliveries. Got it. Yeah, so you know, I've been following it a little bit, and I'm I'm kind of mad for you guys. Like, I, there's I'm tired. Of, I, I have nothing left to get mad about here in the U.S. because we're just we're we're a disaster. So I'm more mad for you. I'm reading about how you like eradicated it, 
and then people like sneaking out of the of the COVID quarantine hotels. And I'm just like the nerve of these people, you know, they're putting an entire imagine being the person who put an entire country at risk. It's not just like go, you know, the kids around here that are going out and hanging out in the park and like giving COVID to each other. It was gone. And people are sneaking out to buy what? Like buy booze down at the liquor store. (laughs) Yep. Can I get some cooked chickens from the supermarket? I'm so mad for you. And I'm just like, who are, where do these people come from? It's just, we're lucky we've got a few uh, we've got a few hundred in the army though Justin so um, uh, we've deployed them around some of these hotels so we've, we've pulled we've pulled out our army structure <laughs> and uh, and we've got them located around the outside outside of Auckland where we all live in Auckland wow and uh, and around some of these hotels so to get out of Auckland now driving down the motorway um, you know 20 minutes down the road you're going to be stopped at a police checkpoint and they're going to be asking you what you're doing on the road. And uh, and turning you around if you don't have a good reason. Sure. Oh yeah, we don't do anything like that. Like we we have all of these rules that we're supposed to be following. Nobody gives a shit out here, They're, and the cops aren't doing anything about it. There's nothing. Nobody cares. Well, uh, you guys have been in lockdown for so long now. Eh? It must be just becoming quite tiresome. My um, my sister-in-law lives in LA, and she's dead. Just so done. It's so over it. I'm not gonna lie. It is, and I was thinking about just that today, Stephen, because I. You know, I've been super careful since the beginning, and there's a lot of rules I have to follow to have my bar open. And I'm kind of a rule follower. Like, just give me, just tell me what to do. But I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on anymore. Everybody's tired of this. It doesn't seem to be doing any good. Uh, And so I I really don't know what anybody's going to do. By the way, it used to be our California governor was on the news like every day doing a press conference. I haven't heard from that guy in weeks. (laughs) I don't know what he he was talking about the fires the other day because now, you know, because God hates California. And so now there's fires and it's just weird out here. Like you guys get actual storms there, right? In in California, we don't get thunderstorms or it just doesn't happen. We might get a couple drops of rain. Well, the other day, you know, it's like the driest, hottest days on record. We're having this massive heat wave and then out of nowhere, a thunder and lightning storm passes through California. We haven't seen this since Noah built the ark or something. Like, there's no thunder and lightning in California. But no, not now. Right now, it's like, let's just throw it at them. And now the whole state's on fire. There's almost a million, this is no joke, there's almost a million acres on fire in the state. It's, Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's it's crazy. There's smoke everywhere around us. Um, yeah, eight count eight seven of the eight counties in the Bay Area have a massive fire going on right now. Um, well, technically, Auckland's actually in drought still at the moment. We're having a drought. Oh yeah, There's water restrictions on. You can't use your hose outside. You can't water blast. Um, but it's been raining heaps. But that's the thing. As soon as you go into lockdown, the weather is perfect. Right. So right. It's, Guarantee good weather as soon as you go into lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Rain stops, sun comes out. Yeah. You got to wash your hands five times a day, but only with um, with soap and no water. <laughs> wash your hands in the toilet like I do. Makes yeah. it much easier. That's, that's how you keep clean. Well, I think every day that I should have stayed in New Zealand, and I got so many nice offers uh, from you folks. Even Stephen, I think, texted me. He's like, "Hey, man." We've got an apartment attached to the brewery, and I'll just give you the keys to the brewery. And if there was anything to keep me in your country, that was it right there. Like that was the, um, and and I should have stayed. I 
I, I think fondly about my last days there. Uh, and, and I was with Susan and Jason, and we're talking about this, all this stuff going on in, in the U.S. And I remember Jason and I kind of being like, it's kind of crazy what's going on over there. It seems strange and maybe overblown. And two days later, right, New Zealand gets the warning that you're on lockdown. And, and because I thought it was strange too, like I hit the road, I'm on my way to Abel Tasman and I'm going up over the mountain. It's this beautiful windy road, which takes extra long in a Volkswagen bus to get over. Um, and I've got no service and I, and I pop down at the bottom of the mountain almost to Tasman and I get reception again on my phone and it's Jason kind of blowing up my phone like, hey man, where are you? Have you heard the news? And I'm going, oh shit. And I look around me and for the first time in the whole month I spent in New Zealand, I'm seeing people slightly less than completely laid back. So not panicking like we do in the US, like sort of rushing around to go to the liquor store. <laughs> I'm going like, uh-oh, what happened? And I get on the phone with Jason and he's like, yeah, man, we're, we're locking this country down. And, and I really look around and I, I, had to, I picked up some hitchhikers and brought them back to Nelson. Like everyone's kind of panicking. Um, I almost couldn't get off the island. I got on like the last ticket on the last ferry. Um, and anyway, the, it was kind of this weird rush. And I, if I didn't have to open the hop grenade and take care of my employees, Jason, I'd probably still be living in your basement, I think. Well, after you, uh, after you're in the basement, when we went back, probably about a month after, after you'd stayed at our house, and you left it immaculate, Justin. I must say. <laughs> but but I just about broke my back putting the recycling out. So <laughs> yeah. I, I figured you were you were using the time wisely to uh, do some research on the uh, the different craft beers of New Zealand. <laughs> I was, I absolutely was, yeah. Well, the liquor store was in walking distance, and they were still open for like a day or two of the week that I was there. And I'm like, hey, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. So I did stock up. But then I thought, well, I don't want to leave this mess of bottles for Jason. I better get through some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not going to lie. Now, Stephen, uh, I saved your beer and I brought it back to share with my team here. I definitely wanted to bring them back some beer. Um, and, and everybody loved it. You gave me, I drank the hoppy stuff because I needed to yep. drink it fresh. But you gave me a couple like Imperial Stouts that you had just bottled, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic beer. So good. Um, awesome. Yeah. Team loved it. They were they were really thankful. So thanks for sending me home with beer. No yeah. worries. Well, let's get to the good stuff and and talk hops. Now, Hop Revolution, of course, is uh, New Zealand's newest hop farm, and I got the chance to spend some time out there, obviously, and some time on the farm. Uh, guys, I do have some video footage to put together for you. So it, instead of the kind of fully produced, like Justin's experience at the farm, since it got cut off, it's going to be a lot of like uh, just footage of how gorgeous the farm is and how hard you guys were working to to get through um, harvest. So how did your first harvest go? And I guess I mean that in terms of like, you know, what you expected to happen and and then what actually happened. What do you think, Susan? It was funny, Justin, I think, you know, looking back in hindsight, harvest seems like eons ago. Um, I've got to be honest, it went better than we probably were expecting. I mean, we were first time growers, you know, it was our first harvest. 
um, and we were doing it on a massive scale. Mm -hmm. um, but surprisingly, it went really well. And and I say surprisingly because now um, I think I'm well aware of the scale and just how hard it is. Um, we were really lucky. We had heaps of help from from experts overseas and you know other growers and that. So we definitely had people we could lean on. Um, but it it was awesome. I yeah. mean, it really was. Seeing it in action kind of kind of blew me away, and especially for your first time. And again, like you Kiwis are very laid back. I would have been kind of pulling my hair out, and I, I only caught a glimpse of that like a couple tiny times. Like maybe Jason and Susan were a little stressed out, but most of the time you guys just handled it. It's a massive undertaking. Jason, did did you you come from the wine side, but you know, were there some curveballs thrown at you? Did it surprise you the amount of, of effort it took to get through this harvest? Yeah, I think there was a lot of a lot of curveballs sort of on a daily basis. And I think luckily for Susan and I, we're, we're not mechanical, but we've got some really good guys who, you know, who are. And uh, and they just solve things, you know, just constantly. So sure. we didn't have any large breakdowns or anything. Um, I think the the hardest part for us was was around the picking decisions and when when to actually pick. You know, it's a big garden and we have to pick solidly over a month, but you can ramp that up or or slow it down. And of course, you make decisions and you've got twenty or thirty workers and you know, people working who have to be scheduled. So if you want to slow it down, then there's all the operational aspects you've got to deal with. But sure, um, picking picking decisions of hops very different than picking for grapes. Um, I found, and, or we found, because they just they ripen, 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 and then when they're they're ready to go, they are ready to go. You got to get them in then and there. So, okay, I remember walking walking around with you actually when you were down, and we were, you know, we were going through this, and for first time hop growers, um, you know, we were getting a lot of different opinion coming in. But at the end of the day, the decision really comes down to me and Susan and and Jono and a, and a couple of guys on the farm, none of whom have grown hops before. So hmm. that was really tricky. Um, and you know, I think generally we made good some good decisions on that. A couple of decisions we made, um, you know, probably we would do differently. Um, but the block's so big, you know, it's it's a massive property, and the terrain across the property uh, means that they ripen at different times. So that was the real real tricky bit for me. Okay. Mm. Well, and the, like you're kind of saying, you know, you are making those decisions, but really the hops are are making those decisions for you. And if I remember right, Susan, because I was kind of meandering my way from the North Island down to the South, and Susan's like, "Hey, where are you? Because we're on, we're getting through this harvest like faster than expected." So it kind of snuck up on you a little how fast they ripened. Yeah, it definitely did, Justin. I think it was that sort of, um, you know, it was that joint COVID. We could sort of see things potentially unraveling um, and we were having to sort of preempt whether or not the farm might get closed down or whether or not people were going to, you know, going to have to stop finishing work. Um, and on top of that, we were trying, you know, Nelson, which is our largest variety that we grow on the farm, that was the last to get picked. And um, it was it was changing faster in the field than we were expecting. Mm. So it was that thing where, you know, you can have a nice schedule at the beginning of, of your harvest and you, you think it's going to take so many days and it's all going to go beautifully. <laughs> um, that was changing almost like on a day-by-day -day basis when we would sort of get to the farm and we'd start looking at blocks and we'd go, okay, ease off or ramp up. 
And so that's what we were worried that you wouldn't get down and there wasn't going to be a, a hop left in the fields. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely the worry. I remember that. I was like, I mean, I can be there quickly. And I thought I was going to have to like, well, you can't really speed in the Volkswagen unless it's downhill, but I was going to try. And you're like, no, no, no. I don't mean like now you got a couple of days, but you better get here. Uh, yeah, well, look, you, 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 you were taking the scenic You did go down, Stephen? Yeah, I popped down. It's supposed to be mid, mid, mid harvest, and it was it was pretty much all wound up. Yeah. So it was yeah. just cruising around in this sort of semi ethereal state. Yeah. Just <laughs> quite a lot of chaos going on around. Yeah. I just hung out and looked at some hops and rubbed some hops. It was really fun, eh? And you could see, you know, how they were aging quite quickly and how they're developing. Yeah, and some of the previous, you know, early pick stuff was, you know, totally gone, and some of the Nelson Seven was really coming on nicely. Yeah, one of the um, surprises we had was um, this varietal Pacific Sunrise that we're growing, which was supposed to be a late variety, and it's never been commercially grown before. So we were the first oh, yeah. ones. Susan um, spotted an opportunity there a couple of years ago, and so we put it in the ground, and we thought it was going to be late after our Nelson. So we're expecting it to go Mochuaika, uh, um, Rewaka, Nelson, and, and then Sunrise at the very end. Um, but it came on faster and faster and faster. And so we ended up picking that actually before our Rewaka. And, um, and you know, that for us was, again, was another, that was a very pre- pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our Rewaka plantings, you know, we've gone pretty extensive on Rewaka across the property and, um and that is an expensive hop, that one. It's a good one, but it's very, very temperamental and tricky to grow. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and you'd see, you know, remember from when you were walking around some of the blocks, you know, the baby blocks that that really tough to, to get going in those early years. So that was the biggest challenge. And I guess disappointment for us, you know, not to really get a good crop out of our rewalker and, um, we, we had to short people that we'd, you know, contracted with and that we'd promised tops to, which we didn't like doing. And, sure. you know, we felt really bad about, about that end of it. Um, so our rewalker, we're really going to crack that this year. We've got to all sorts of good ideas, or Susan does, haven't you, Susan, about how we're going to get that one that one going. But um, uh, but the other varietals, the Nelson, the Sunrise and the Mochuaka, all produced um, and, and both uh, volume and quality um, much better than you know what we'd been expecting. Like we expected ah. it to be good quality, but when you get a good volume uh, year and a good quality year, you know we were helped with the climate. You know the conditions this year were amazing, so um, you know the whole district produced excellent excellent hops. But for a first year crop, it gave us a lot of confidence. Yeah, um, you know for for next year and a lot of learning. So no, we're, overall we did about two hundred thousand pounds off the off the property, and that's about ten percent up than what we were. We're hoping to get, That's even great. though Rewaka was short and that the others are a bit above. So, I think overall we gave ourselves a, a, a passing grade, but um, but we know that we can, you know, take a lot of learnings into next year. Sure, of course. And yeah. I, I know Susan's quite the perfectionist. She's a bit like me. So, and I, I remember our first interview, Susan. It, it's the Rewaka we talked about, and I was like. You're a little crazy right now. Like, why are you picking the hardest one on earth? And you're like, nah, I, I got this. I got this. <laughs> and yeah, you did. I'm not saying to, you didn't, but uh, yeah. you know. Let, let, let's go back to a year ago, Justin, and, and give that Susan a talking to. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 we did not uh, do well. Um, but in saying that, the, the small amount of rewalk we picked, we've actually, um, you know, we've got hops out to our brewers in the States. And um, the first rewalker 
featured beer was released last Friday. So oh, cool. Butcher up in Chicago yeah. did a, a, a rewalker a Citra Hazy, which, you know, they were just raving about. I'm still waiting for my beer to come back uh, to New Zealand. So I, I guess the feedback about what was produced was outstanding. Sure. Um, and sure. Now, now it's a volume game. We just have to just you know, try and crack it the second year. Sure. Well, and to be fair, it was worth the effort because it is a hop that people want. So I really think like, hey, let's just roll the dice and see if we can get it because people love the hop. So is is quite a famous hop in New Zealand um, because it is most loved by the brewers and most hated by the people that grow them. Okay. Yeah. Like hop growers just hate it because you have a good season, everything's sweet, and then the next season they just they just shit out. Wow! Can't, can't get the crop, and the growers are like, "This is a waste of time. I'm not making you money." And the brewers are like, "We don't care. Grow more. We want more. <laughs> yeah, better and more." So I is, should stop listening to you, Stephen. That's that's the take home. You should. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about me. I'm not so much about, you know, you guys. <laughs> well, yeah. I hope our shareholders aren't listening to you at the moment, Stephen, because they'll be, they'll be cringing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone can crack the rewalk out to you guys, eh? I'm, I'm supremely confident you'll nail it and get some, some volume. Yeah. For the vote of confidence. Yeah, you're good at dealing with temperamental things, Susan. I've met your family. You can handle this. You got this. <laughs> um so now since i've been open again here at at my bar i've i've never worked in my bar so much it wasn't designed to be a place that i work it was designed to be a place that other people work but now it's uh, it took a pandemic to force me to get a real job and actually have to work um but anyhow in the process to be honest with you, I'm kind of getting reacquainted with beer. It turns out I still like beer. Uh, and for years, and Stephen, you kind of know this, I think, because you and I talked about it. I'm just like, give me a pale ale and give me a lager. And I kind of don't mess around with anything in between. It's not that I won't sip an IPA or a double IPA if someone hands it to me, but I've just been stuck in my loop and kind of, well, since I've been open, um, breweries here are actually doing pretty well, and the new format are these 16-ounce cans. Everybody's putting them in these tall cans, and, and you buy them one at a time. People aren't really buying packs here right now. You just, you just come in here, and you pick you know six different ones. And anyway, I'm tasting some great beers. I figure I better know what I'm talking about if I'm selling it to people. Uh, I'm kind of refinding my love of hops and great beer. And I'm telling you, there's some of my favorite ones, maybe even most of my favorite ones that have come through here recently are with Nelson. Um, it's a, I, I think it's always been popular here, but I've never noticed it quite so much. About every brewery that we sell, and we sell a lot of different breweries, has come through with at least one um, New Zealand hop. And I'm loving every one of them. And this, the, the best ones, and Stephen, I wonder if you guys use the same descriptor and if you can talk about this uh, in your beers. We use diesel, right? Call it diesel or kerosene. Um, the beer fans don't like to use kerosene, but the diesel is one of them. And um, I seem to remember early in my career that that used to be kind of an off-putting flavor, and now it's super desirable, and I, I had a beer from a, a brewery here, and it was just called, like, Nelson Stash. And they named it after their stash of Nelson that they've been saving for the right beer. And it had this really strong diesel character that you'd think would be off-putting, but it was 
absolutely delicious. So I always remember like that kind of, there's a Chardonnay quality to Nelson, but I don't remember there being this diesel-y character. Is, do you find that in the hop, Stephen? You can get that character. I mean, Nelson's a great hop. I mean, here at our brewery, 50%, half the hops we use are Nelson. Okay. That's the hop we really like. Um, but it's quite a flexible hop too. You know, it has some strong character. And I don't necessarily like it um, 100%. Hmm. Another local brewery up the road, Liberty, does a, a Sauvignon Bomb which is 100% Nelson Sovin. Wow. He does a great job with that. But it is quite divisive. Some people are like, oh, that's an amazing horror character. I love that. And some people are like, that's disgusting. Yeah. How can you try and sell that shit? <laughs> um, yeah. But it does present some of that character. And um, Rewalker is also even more so. Um, that Rewalker hop can be really, really dank, but really diesel kerosene. Okay. Um, and it can sort of represent as... Um, as too intense um it throws off a little sulfur component too which is part of the hop profile yeah and some people don't like that little sulfur thing um they can pick it up as you know a little bit of h2s or a little bit of dms um but i really like that 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 rewalker hop character so the classic new zealand pilsner is that blend of uh nelson and rewalker okay and that's it's really intense eh? and the new zealand the new zealand palette is all over it people love that beer i mean um, is it is now, the Nelson is that well I guess in a lager you're not really dry hopping are you so you're just talking about kettle hops when you say that that kind of even mix well, no most New Zealand um, pilsners yeah um, they they tend to be dry hopped oh nice okay so the New Zealand pilsner style is this weird transition into sort of a a hoppy um, golden pale ale because they're really hot forward and they do dry hop quite a lot and you do get those really sort of aromatic oily. Um, diesel kerosene characters um, and the New Zealand palette loves it got it um, and I think the American palette's picking up on it because it's so different to any other hop that is grown locally or you know anywhere in Germany or anywhere else it's quite a unique character and it yeah it, some people really really love it and some people just don't get it I see and I think you're right about that because I know that it's been around for years I've talked about it on different shows people have given me beer before and I thought wow this is a really unique hop but it's like seeing its day in the sun right now because brewers are just all over it, uh, which is great news for you guys, Hop Ref, because I think people can't get enough of New Zealand hops right now. Uh, one of our local breweries here just came out with a beer. They just called it Southern Hemi because everything in it was a Southern Hemisphere hop. I think some from Oz and then some from you guys. Uh, but yeah, I think it. Yeah, it's kind of it is divisive, but hot. Californians in, in particular are such hopheads now that they're just looking for more dank, more diesel, more stank, like anything more. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, you know, beer lovers are into here. Mm. So. What's interesting for us being being newbies to this game is um, the feedback that we're getting on our different lots. Hmm. And so we did, um, you know, a number of different lots on our Nelson and you'll get brewer feedback, which is amazingly positive about one lot and then they'll rank another lot as their last pick and then the next brewer will be exactly the opposite of that right and uh, it makes it really difficult as a grower when you're looking at well did we do this well or didn't we do it well when you get that divisiveness and i guess it's the style that the brewer is trying to create sure um, but we, we we get some amazing feedback on quite different quite different lots yeah 
And that's kind of my experience too, even in interviewing brewers, you know, some of them hop selection is super important. Um, and frankly, you, you really have to know your beer inside and out and be able to plan it before you ever, you know, plan it in your head. I mean, plan it on your palate before it's ever made, I think to make those, like those strong decisions. Other, for example, I could go in and just tell you which one I like just based on how it smells, but I have no idea how that's going to come out in a finished beer. And I think that's yeah. where you end up with that difference of brewers that are like, no, that lot is the one. And the other one saying that lot is the one. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly right, Justin. That's one of the things I'm sort of struggling with, with trying to make on farm decisions from feedback from brewers is it depends on how they use it. it. Depends on where they use it. You know, how much are they, you know, dry hopping with, you know, are they putting it in the kettle and, and then you get this combination effect where, you know, you put two hops together and you get a different flavour profile. So, yeah. you know, it's not a homogenous product at the end of the day if I give the same Nelson to 10 different brewers. Sure. You know, as time goes on, I found this, I think it was Vinny who was telling me, he pretty much knows, like, certain hops come from this lot every time. Like, your plots of land will will repeat themselves, right? They'll they'll have their own signature. And certain, over the years, certain brewers, you know, Stephen might end up finding like, oh, no, uh, that hectare over there, that's the one I want every time. Um, and that's yeah, something... That's you, what Hopperation is doing. Like, previously, um, buying New Zealand hops, it's all a co-op. So all the hops get grown by the growers and they just go into the mix. So you've got no option to select different farms or different harvest times. I see. Whereas the hop revolution guys are coming in, they're saying, well, we're going to give you the options. We're going to keep all these packages separate. You know, this is uh, Nelson from here. It was harvested this date. Nelson from there harvested this date. So you actually go down and look at the individual packages. And as a brewer, you can go, oh, okay, I like that character. Yeah. I want to do that. I'm going to see how that turns out in the beer. And then going forward, I can make decisions about what hops I like when I want them harvested. And this is the first time in New Zealand we've had the opportunity to do that. That's crazy. So really exciting. And all, yeah, you know, it's a logistical it's a logistical nightmare down the track. So our, our partners at Mill 95, I mean, we sent out brewer cuts to, you know, our foundation brewers and they came back wanting, you know, certain volumes of certain lots. And Jason and I sat here um, at home in New Zealand and, and sort of Zoomed them as they were tearing their hair out, working out how to get those brewers what they wanted. Right. Um, we possibly underestimated the complexity at that level. Um and look, we can't thank Mill 95 in Idaho enough for, for you know, they took our bales and they did everything um, after that, including getting them out to the brewers now. So um, wow, yeah. we got off pretty lightly. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Uh, Mill 95, It's you said Idaho, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's where we, we palletized. So, yeah, we, we had best laid plans of... Um, brewers coming down from around the world those ones that came early could get in you know mm -hmm. when in your timing in early march but from the 20th of march we were in total lockdown so no one could fly in so most of the brewers didn't get to visit the farm but they you know they wanted to and and that's what we had planned out was going and walking the blocks talking about the different lots and and then allowing them to do um, selections there on the farm 
then, um, of course, when COVID hit, um, we thought, well, they could at least do it up up in the US. So we'll get the bales up there and they could go and do lot selection uh, with pallets at Mill 95. But of course, that stopped as well. Yeah. So then we were just sending them all out. And um, But it, it's been pretty cool, actually, how everyone's adapted in the industry around these these challenges and, and helped each other. And, you know, we've had a huge amount of help and freight and cold store and logistics and, and up at the mill and just sort of helping us out because Susan and I can't travel and this year was going to be a big year of traveling, meeting people and, sure. and being in the market. Um, but yeah, we've had some, had some great help and brewers have been pretty understanding of our, um, our logistical challenges that we've had and how long it's taken maybe to get samples. And, you know, people have just, just been really supportive, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, that's great. And you, you gotta be understanding. It's your first time. Do, not only, it was already hard enough. I remember thinking this as I left you guys, like it was already hard enough what you were doing and then a, a goddamn pandemic to uh, throw a wrench in things. If you were if you were U.S. citizens, you uh, y'all would have had heart attacks by now. We stress out about this shit. You guys are like, well, I guess I'm going out to the island to hang out for a little while. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> it, was a, it was a real highlight for us. We got some um, pallets air freighted back now, the, the highlight wasn't the cost of air freighting them. I'm, I'm telling you now, I could have flown to the US return for cheaper than what it cost to send these pallets back down to Stephen to make this beer. Wow. Um, but anyway, we got some sent back early on, and uh, and Stephen made us this um, Rewalker Sunrise beer, which we went to his brewery. And, what and, kind of beer was it, Stephen? Oh, it was just a uh, New Zealand IPA. Okay. So we didn't have enough hops to do a proper batch. So we just siphoned off some wort from IPA uh, into a little 200-litre fermenter we have. Yeah. And then dry hop the crap out of it. Okay. With, uh, um, so it was a good way to sort of see what the hops are doing and see what sort of characters they're throwing up through the dry hop. Yeah. It's all, it was really good. It was a great, great beer. Do you, do you not want me to tell Jason that you could have just used whole flower hops and not make him do all that shipping back and forth? Or do you want me to leave that out of this conversation? Uh, we don't. We don't. Well, we can't <laughs> flower hops this brewery, but we're building a new brewery down at we've got a new site in Clevedon. Ah, and that brewery is going to be set up so we can use whole flowers. It's got a big screen on the bottom of the kettle. Nice. So then we can do some trials with some fresh hops. Got it. But and of course I'm uh, messing with you, but th- Jason, that's a, that's kind of the thing, right? You guys, you, right now, you grow all these hops, you send them to the U.S. to be palletized, mm-hmm. but brewers who want to buy them in New Zealand, they're coming back from the U.S. That that that's the cycle right now. Well, it, it wasn't intended to be like that. Okay. Um, our, our friends at Freestyle Farms, which is um, another grower just down the road from us, they've got a palletizer, and and the idea was was that we were going to palletize a certain amount in New Zealand with them for for New Zealand. But when um, when COVID hit China, all of the freight between the ships going between China, the US, and New Zealand all all just um, stopped coming, and so we actually for a while there couldn't couldn't get any hot bales out at all and then that immediately changed when china came out of covid all of a sudden all the ships are on um, but new zealand was then in lockdown mm. and so it was one of those decisions that we had to make of well we know we can get them all up into the u.s right now in a bale form but we might not be able to in a couple of weeks time right so we just made the decision let's just get them all up there then at least we know we can put them into pallets and get and be in our closest market or our biggest market. Sure. So that's what we did, which was unfortunate in some, in, in some ways because, um, we, A, we don't have any pellets here in New Zealand unless we air freight them back. 
Um, but secondly, we had a market in China this year, which was, um, which was, um, you know, it, it can't go ahead because of the tariff between the US and China just put our pricing too far out. So, so there, yeah, there were some downsides to those decisions, but at least we got them into market and we got them palletised. But going into next year, we're hoping to palletise some in New Zealand, um, and so we can provide, um, you know, hops directly into China and Japan and New Zealand, Australia, easier okay. from here than from the US. Got it. So Nelson being the biggest crop that you and the most output that you had, um, Stephen, can you t- tell me what's like what sticks out the most about that hop? So for for brewers out here that are, that might be able to get a hold of of that, what characteristics kind of stuck out to you? Well, it's um it's quite an intense hop, like it carries a lot of fruity characters. Okay, um, and it blends nicely with other hops. It sort of pops other hops, especially in the dry hop. Like, even if we're doing, like, a, an American IPA, we'll check, you know, 10 or 20% of the dry hop um, as the Nelson, and it really sort of emphasizes all the characters of the other hops and really creates a really massive hop profile. Um, but it still has drinkability. It's a really smooth hop. It's really delicious. Um, it's definitely the favorite hop we have here. We, okay. We use it all the time. Our pale ale is mostly Nelson Sovereign. And our IPA is, is mostly Nelson as well. I had both of those. They're great beers. And it's just it's just a really wonderful hop. Like on its own, it, it can be a bit, a bit intense, can be really full on. Yeah. Uh, but you you know, as an addition to some other hops, um, New Zealand or American, it really creates delicious delicious profiles. Okay. So Susan, I know that some of uh, you know what you guys grew was already you know pre contracted and such. Can brewers still buy the Pacific Sunrise? Can they still buy any of the Rewaka out here? Like, what's available to brewers? Uh, Rewaka totally gone, people. Sorry. Um, There there is none around. Um, But, no, we do still have a a small amount of Nelson Mochweka Sunrise. And then we decided to make a blended palette. So it was a bit of an experiment where I have a – you know, I have a vision where I'd like, you know, every brewer to try and make a New Zealand IPA eventually. So we decided to make a blend of our Mott, Chueka, Nelson, Sunrise, and actually some Rewaka in there. So it's a, a blend. So you can still approach us at hotrevolution.co.nz, um, but we've also got some distribution partners in the States. So Mill 95 um, are, are selling our hops, and so are Crosby um, out of Oregon. Oh, so yeah. that, that just really helps us because... Obviously, we here, our hops are there. You know, they, they, they've got them sitting in their warehouses. They've got that that network of brewers that they already deal with. And so um, they're offering offering brewers um, Hop Revolution hops as well. Okay. Excellent. How, how, much, how, much, how many pounds of hops? You, know, you told me your harvest, but how many ended up here, Jason? How many pounds of Hop Rev hops are in the U.S.? In the U.S.? Yeah. Uh, virtually all of them, apart from... What's in Stephen's tanks right uh, now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or going into Stephen's tanks? Um, we're going to send about um, five to ten percent uh, into Europe, land a little, little bit into South Africa and a little bit into South America. And um, being our first year, we've we've just set up some new relationships. So, you know, people are taking our product and, and seeing what they think, and and we're just getting to know each other. So, okay, uh, yeah, virtually, um, I'd, I'd say ninety percent of it will um, be through the US and Canada. Got it. Okay. 
All right, I want to do this. I have to take a quick break because I still have some sponsors that we need to take care of. Plus, um, you know, that this is a problem. So <laughs> here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to have each of you turn off your own cameras. Uh, those of you podcast listeners, you're going to get hear a little sponsor message here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. They're not going to turn off the video. Just we're turn, off, turn off your cameras and uh, we'll be right back in just a couple minutes. Hang in there. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us today. We'll have everybody turn their cameras back on if you're back from getting your beers, uh, as I am. Uh, Steven didn't have to go far. He's, uh, uh, he's right there in the brewery, so that's good for him. Yeah, very nice. Uh, Steven, what are you drinking? Yeah, I had a, a Kolsch before, but now I'm on the, the Pale Ale, which is just great. Rewalker Nelson. It's sticky and greasy and oily. <laughs> Beautiful. Very nice. Susan, I haven't seen a beer in your or Jason's hand, though, you know. No, no, I'm drinking. Ah. So I'm drinking, uh, it's actually a Liberty Pale Ale, so down the road from from Stephen, mm-hmm. um, one of their beers. And I've got a um, Sawmill Pilsner, but I don't know what the hops are in this. You probably know Stephen or Susan, being your, your local Susan. No, I'm not sure what's in that one. It's a good drinkable, you know, because you've got to understand it's daytime here, Justin. You know, <laughs> we, we started at 1 p.m. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, it's you know, COVID. Day, day drinking is fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's got got a little bit of, I think it's um, Mott and Rewalker. Got it. I had sawmill too. Yeah, when I had to do my U-turn from Tasman to go back, where all the Kiwis were running into the liquor store. Like I got there just before the line. When I walked out, it, it, five minutes later, there was a line around the block. I like stocked up too. I like put whatever I could fit in the bus because I thought I might have been stuck in the house in Nelson. And uh, basically every time I got gas, like all this, every stop, I didn't really get food. I just bought more beer <laughs> the whole time. Um, now, Stephen, one thing I did tell people when I came back here was, you know, they were asking how the beer was in New Zealand. And I'm being honest when I say, I'm really not exaggerating. I, I did not have a bad beer uh, in, in your country. And I think you guys have a really advanced craft beer scene for as young as it is, right? Like you guys are relatively new um, to, to craft beer in relative terms, but like it's like you started up here. Everybody's brewing great beer there. Yeah, well, we're lucky in New Zealand with, like, you know, it's the classic craft brewing um, scene and culture mm-hmm. uh, where it's, you know, 90% dick-free. And everyone talks to each other. Everyone helps each other out. Yeah. It's a really nice community feel. Um, you know, we get together and talk. We help each other out, you know, hook each other up hops, malt ideas. So people do talk, and I'm very open with how I make the beer. I mean, I was lucky. I actually learnt my brewing in West Australia. Um, so I spent a lot of time in a brewery called Feral Brewing out there. Oh, yeah. Called, um, I've been there. Brendan Virus. Yeah. So he's a legend brewer. He's really good. Great and beer. I basically just turned up at his brewery and said, can I just hang out for a bit? And he was like, yeah, go for it. And he told me whatever I wanted to know. You know, he was totally open with what he did and how he made his beer. And that's what I do as well. Anyone's got any questions about the beer, I happily share it. You know, yeah. especially homebrew. If somebody wants one of my recipes, somebody emails me and says, hey, you know, can you tell me some of the hops and this? I'll just send them the recipe. Here you go. Perfect. Yeah. Which is, you know, 
it must have helped because everybody's brewing great beer there. It's a really cool scene. Even some, you know, I had some like contracted beers. I think that's a little bit popular there. Instead of starting your own brewery, some places are contracting. Those beers were yep. all great too. That doesn't always happen. Like sometimes, you know, since contract brew, the brewers are like, yeah, it's not mine. I'm just making this. But that's not my experience there. It's really good stuff. So Yeah, the contract brewing is quite big. We've got about, well, before lockdown, we had about five customers we made beer for. Okay. And yeah, we made some really good beer for some of those guys. It's quite a fun project, you know, some of their ideas, some of our ideas, create some beers, which you wouldn't normally do. And um, yeah, we've made some really good contract brews. Well, speaking of uh, being open with your recipes, somebody on our Facebook, uh, Brad, wants to know, Stephen, what you hop your Kolsch with. The Kolsch? Um, actually, at the moment, uh, that's got all German hops in it. As it should. It's Kolsch. Come on. Because we did make a, uh, a New Zealand version. Uh, oh, nice. Quite a lot of Nelson Sovin, but it was more like a, a Pilsner than a Kolsch. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely not a purist. I'm a fanatic. Um, so I don't really give a fuck. But <laughs> the Kolsch needs to be traditional and needs to be that 4.5% and just that little bit of herbal German hop character so you can just smash pints. Yeah. So we've reverted back in the last few years to actually make a very, very, very traditional Kolsch. You know, I agree with you. Kolsch is one of those styles that I'll, I get mad if I order one and it's nothing like a Kolsch. I mean, it's just, it, it, it has a purpose that, that of all, st- like a pale ale can be kind of all over the board and IPAs can do yep. that, but Kolsch has a purpose. And the purpose was to sit on a patio in Germany drinking from like noon until night. And you, <laughs> like, there's a reason for that. And so when I order it and it's too malty or too high alcohol or so good on you. Yeah. You got That's the one you got to do right. And we use, we started off playing with some of the new German hops, the Mandarin and Bavaria and some of the, um, Whole melon. Yeah. And I so we go with Hellertau traditional. It's like the classic German hop, just a hinder hop character. Yeah. And it, it is how it's supposed to be. Bless you, my son. That's wonderful. <laughs> now, I think I've asked you guys this before, Jason and Susan. Are you going to grow uh, any like American varieties or German varieties? Or are you, are you planning to stick to the, the New Zealand hops on the farm? I mean, we'll never say never, um, but at this stage, we are honestly sticking with the New Zealand varieties. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we we put the word out to our brewers um, what they want, and they lead us with our planting decisions. Sure. So we are starting to look at some of the newer varieties, like the the Waiiti and Kohatu and Motri, which are, are beginning to um, sort of gain some some popularity. Um, but it comes back to the big three. It's it's Nelson, it's Mops, mm-hmm. it's Rewalker. I mean, you know, we we could grow those all day long and, and, and still not, you know, service what sure. the brewers sure. want. It'd almost be a waste of land if you're brewing or growing stuff that's grown elsewhere, right? You just, you need to... I mean, the scientist to me would love to try some of those, uh, you know, proprietary American varieties, sure. um, you know, what, what they would do down here, but... Um, there really is. I mean, the New Zealand varieties are special. Um, you know, we're a little country. We grow small amounts. Yeah. Let's celebrate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, that, speaking of the scientist in you, what about developing your own new varieties? Uh, 
Well, look, Justin, I mean, really, <laughs> if you were to come back to New Zealand next harvest, perhaps we might have something to show you. Ah, well, first of all, I probably won't be allowed, not because you guys won't have me, but your country might not have me. Listen, I told you guys already when I left, you're stuck with me now. I would be there every single harvest if I'm allowed to do so. Um, so, Susan, should we be looking forward to a Nectar Susan hop? Oh, look, who knows what we could call it, Stephen? <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are endless. No, look, uh, ultimately, that, that's, that's the long-term project for Hop Revolution is to, to see what we can do with our own proprietary varieties. Cool. Um, but, you know, anyone who knows hop breeding is not an easy task and it's not a fast task. So, right. you know, we'll be older and greyer by the time... That's yeah. reality. Yeah. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah, they're like 10. I know it's like 10 years to develop. Uh, we'll probably be doing hologram videos by the time then, not not just Zoom anymore. We'll probably still be in COVID lockdown then. I mean, you know, who knows? <laughs> that could be the case, at least in California, probably. <laughs> well, what else? What about next year? I mean, uh, you guys must already be planning for that. It's right around the corner for you. Um, and I mean, I get, for, let's just forget about COVID as much as we can. I'm sure you're making some plans for that, but are you growing the farm already next year? Are you making major changes? Talk to me about that, Jason. Yeah, well, this year we harvested from about 70 odd hectares from the farm and it's 115 hectare farm. So, so next year we'll be develop, we'll be harvesting from the whole farm. Okay. So that, that's a big step up. Yeah. Uh, and we've got another farm we're developing called Wairua, which is just a few kilometres down the road. Uh, when you were there, it would have just been a you know been a lot of earthworks, but now we've got plants going in the ground and pole structures going in and so on. And um, we'll harvest from about thirty hectares of that farm. Um, so it's about seventy or eighty acres ne uh, next year, and then the following year, harvest twenty twenty two will be when that fully comes on stream. So we're we're building another, may you know, major hop shed, similar size to what you came through that we've got at Tapawera. Mm. Uh, we're using a mixture of um, um, you know of locally engineered. Um, Dan Hauer version uh, picking and cleaning equipment and and wolf drying equipment, which uh, which we found really good last year, and so we're, you know th that's a big project for for us, which we'll go through for another eighteen months to do. Wow, yeah, and um, and we're also looking at, um, at at contracting on another two farms, so yeah, the development stage is you know we're really only just starting. We think there's quite a lot of potential. Here and um, and we're just identifying properties that we believe will be um, great hop growing properties, sure. and um, yeah, there's there's actually we're building the team, we're recruiting people. Um, yeah, we're just we're continuing to um, believe that um, beer will still be drunken, the world uh, the world won't fall over, yeah, and um, you know we'll get through this one way or the other. So sure. yeah, we're taking a pretty optimistic view on on life and, and long-term views on, on these sorts of investments, you know, they're big, big projects. So yeah. they're 30, 40 year plays. So, sure, you know, we're not letting uh, what's happening right at the moment um, really, really dampen our spirits. And, and to be fair, we're still seeing really um, strong interest. You know, I thought when this first happened, we were thinking, well, is this going to fall off a cliff? Are our customers just going to close up? Yeah. But that hasn't, that hasn't been the case at all. And, um, and I think there's a lot of um, adaption that's happened and a lot of optimism and we get emails through super positive 
from people who we know must be doing it tough, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think, as Stephen said, you know, the brewing community works well together and looks after each other and customers are, are still drinking. You know, shit, we've done our fair share of drinking through lockdown. And, what happens? Um, I think everyone's an alcoholic now and put on, you know, 10 kilos. So yeah. <laughs> I've been saying like years from now, you know, when we're talking about the after effects of COVID, you know, one of those after effects is going to be liver disease. Let's be honest. <laughs> like we're going to find out much later that uh, there were other side effects to the COVID pandemic, to, to lockdown, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I, it's it's interesting to watch breweries, you know, like you're saying that there's still this uh, a lot of positivity and a lot of interest in the hops. I know breweries around here uh, that are doing better than ever, um, you know, and, and not just because we're all drinking a little bit more, but in some ways because we've been, you know, the royal we have been forced to evaluate our business model, evaluate our consumer and get better at, at bringing beer to them. Uh, Steven, I, I see you shaking your head at like, you know, it is, you know, it is interesting that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like the, the, the old adage is, is true. You just start to figure out how to do it better. Yeah, it is. It does sort of um, kick off some new ideas and how can we do this better? You know, when you get a bit of downtime, especially, yeah. um, you do think, well, what are we doing? What's the best way to do this now? And how we can get better, better to people. I mean, I was the second lockdown. I was actually, you know, it was, it was pretty tough, you know, because we're feeling quite positive, and all of a sudden, you know, you're back in it again. Yeah, I did listen to uh, your last last podcast, uh, Dave from Flattail. Yeah, uh, and the the shit show he's been through. Dave's always a shit <laughs> show, by the way, but yeah, <laughs> that made me feel a little bit better. And, and you know, there is adversity, you know, but yeah. that sort of, you know, if you can come through it um, and be better and stronger and smarter. It, it, it'll create your business. Your business will be stronger yeah. getting through this. And there'll be some casualties, of course, and, and and nobody wants to see that. But yeah, others who just really stick with it and and try new things. I mean, I, I think I said this on one of our previous shows. Uh, for a couple of years, um, our sales here at the bar were declining a little bit and moving over to our to-go sales. And we make less margin on the to-go sales. So I was kind of fighting against that. I was like trying to figure out how to how to get people to stop buying as much stuff to go. And I realized during this time, what an idiot. Like I'm doing this backwards. Instead of fighting against consumer trends, like why not help them do do it better and do more of it? And that's really what's happened now because most of our of our sales is to go. And sort of embracing that was the right move. And so I learned a lot about myself. Like, I don't just get to will people's, uh, uh, you know, what they want. Uh, I'm, I'm too old to have learned that now, but I, I just did. And um, I think I'm better for it. And I think the hop grenade is better for it. And I think our customers are happy, happier for it. So anyway, that's kind of what I mean. You guys are definitely going to have to keep growing hops. And all of the brewers here and, and shops like mine... Um, you know, I don't think we're going anywhere. We're just, we're just have to evolve a little bit, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think I'm going to start shipping beer soon. We're allowed to do, I didn't even know why I was allowed to do that. I had to figure that out, but my license allows me to ship beer throughout California. So. Oh, uh, only California, not New uh, Only California, Susan. But, um, as long as no one's listening or watching this, you know, I'm going to, I'll ship you some beer. That's no problem. <laughs> Susan. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. I brought, how did you like your Russian river? I brought you some, oh, Stephen. Dude, yeah. I love that beer. Right? You took the STS, went, right? The the pills. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I waited until everyone was out and I could just enjoy it in peace. Yeah, yeah, that a boy. 
Yeah, don't share that. No, you got to have that. No. <laughs> Susan, you and your family were supposed to be with me on like an RV trip by now, actually. So look, Justin, the, the, the kids talk about yet to kick them out of that the house with my husband because they wanted to be part of this. Um, <laughs> they heard that you were going to be on here. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm surprised that you were still up for that after spending time with my family. <laughs> I and, love your family. <laughs> Carrie's my dude. Susan's husband, Carrie, is my dude. And I want to point out as we're wrapping things up here, you can see just behind Susan there, there is a pinball machine. And folks, that is an appetite for destruction official pinball machine a guns and roses appetite for destruction pinball machine your family you're all my hero together as one you're my hero look look we we make wise investment decisions justin what can i say that's our retirement fund so um yeah no look we had so much fun hosting you and 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 i i desperately hope that you know harvest 2021 looks different to yeah. what I'm thinking it could look like. Otherwise, sure. uh, we're all coming and seeing you. <laughs> yeah, people are allowed in here. We're just not allowed anywhere else. For the first time in history, the U.S. passport is useless. So uh, <laughs> we're getting a little taste of our own medicine, I think. Maybe it was just time for that. Um, and Jason, so Jason gave me a bottle of apparently it was one year voted the best wine on the planet or the universe or the milky, I forget. Um Literally, you won this astonishing award. And I still, I haven't opened it because um, you and Poppy told me I had to like share it with somebody and I don't do anything right now except for work and sleep. Uh, So it's sitting in my RV wine cellar, which is a fridge. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, I'll save it for a special occasion. Yeah. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I've I've taken good care of it. Um, I have drank all the other New Zealand beer that I brought home, but I, I shared it too. Um, well, I, I'm so happy to catch up with you all. And I, you know, you now have just a special place in my heart. Your, your little tiny third world country, uh, is one of my favorite places on the planet now. And I can't wait to come back. I, I would have followed the rules. If they put me in a quarantine hotel, I would have just sat there waiting till I'm allowed out. I'm not going to be responsible for spreading things around. What's the what is the deal now? Are they saying like 30 days or nobody knows about your lockdown? So we come out in, uh, in, uh, on Sunday night back to level two. So they've traced like the clusters and all of that. And, and that's so that that's when they become confident of opening is if they sort of have tracked everybody who has it. Is that the deal? Yeah. They know yeah, where it's all from now. They don't know where it came from, but they know that. The cluster is all related to itself, so it's sort of, it's been contained. Got it. It's certainly not a, a, a hopeful thing for the rest of the world to see, like, that they don't know where it came from, right? Like, that's just a scary thing. And, and I guess one of the reasons why people are taking this, this disease so seriously is there's just so much we don't know. Um, and, wow, like, look at you guys. in New Zealand in the spotlight all the time now. The world looking to you for what to do. <laughs> look, look the funny thing is we have stupid people here too justin um you know m- everybody on the whole followed the rules of lockdown very well yeah, um yeah. but uh we're just coming to the end of our second uh week of lockdown and homeschooling and i know stephen has got kids that he homeschools it hasn't been easy so um yeah you know, yeah. You know i feel for all my american friends who are 
you know, finishing summer holidays and about to embark on potentially homeschooling. Yeah. Not teachers fun. Need, teachers need more money as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jason, your kids too, are they, are they homeschooling? Well, no, our kids are in lockdown in another part of New Zealand and uh, we can't get down there and they can't come here. So Look I've offloaded them to my, um, my my cousin's dairy farm. So they've been down there milking and doing all those fun things. Put those but, kids uh, to work. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be probably a week or so before we can see them. But, you know, I think that's it's just one of those things in life, isn't it? You just, everyone's dealing with it. So yeah. kids are old enough, they get on with it. But uh, no, hopefully we'll all, we'll all come out of this and um, things will be a lot more positive next March and we can have you back down, Justin, because we did, yeah, we really enjoyed having you down. It was good fun. Can't wait. It's a, uh, you guys are wonderful people out there. Everybody I met was just great and, and such a cool country. And um, yeah, I'd like to do it again as soon as possible. So thanks to the three of you uh, for doing the show with me today. Uh, I also want to say hello to uh, Marlies, who works for you, who is just a wonderful human being, uh, a very nice person. So I wanted to say hi to her. I hope she's doing all right and your whole team there. Um, Stephen, can't wait to come back to the brewery. Um, or, you know, you got to, if we ever have a craft brewers conference again, you got to come out yeah, here, you know? Good. Yeah. Say hi, JP, from me. I will. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't, he won't come out of his house. He's like the most locked down person on earth. Even if we were allowed out, he's like, nope, he doesn't even grocery shop. He gets his groceries delivered. He leaves them in the garage for three days. Like he's very strict, uh, but I will text him like a little hand wave. I think that's all he allows. I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Well, it's good to catch up. Um, I think coming down the pipeline, stay tuned to the Brewing Network because um, we're working on doing some collaboration beer here in the U.S. with Hop Revolution Hops, um, and that could be coming up very soon. So I'll keep our listeners uh, and viewers notified of that, and I can't wait to try some beer with your stuff in it. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, thanks to my guests from Hop Revolution. Bye, Susan. Bye, Jason. Bye, Stephen. See you later. Thanks, everyone. All right. We'll see you all next time here on the Brewing Network. <laughs>